burned again in Lytton. I listened to explosions all night. It's hard. Flames consume more homes. We've been through this last year, and it's bringing up lots of anxiety. And firefighters are battling to keep the aggressive fire away from town. A vital clue in the murder of Raputaman Singh Malik. Homicide investigators believe that this vehicle was connected to the shooting. Video of the suspect's vehicle and the mystery over a motive and scouring the site of a building collapse. It's a very unstable, dangerous situation. The search for someone who might still be trapped in the rubble. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. We want to begin with that unfolding crisis in the Lytton area where a rapidly growing wildfire has destroyed homes just a year after another blaze wiped out the entire village. Kamal Kuramali is in Lytton tonight with the latest on the fire and Kamal residents trying to cope with back-to-back -back disasters. Chris, this fire is relentless, now growing to four times the size of Stanley Park. Crews have been working tirelessly on the ground and in the air to try and put out the blaze, only to have to keep retreating. This is an ongoing battle. The wildfire near Lytton, B.C., more than seven times larger than it was 24 hours ago. Shane Bernardo O'Hara's home is on the west side of the Fraser River, where the fire is spreading fast. Everything's gone, our whole livelihood. And it's horrifying. Now staying with his daughter and her family on the other side of the river near Lytton, where the fire has been kept at bay so far. I was just trying to tell them, get out right now, but couldn't get no answer. I'm just glad they all made it out. Then there are others here at this Lytton First Nation Reserve who are hoping to fight to the very last moment. Probably be here until the flames are around. Yvonne Michelle told his children to leave home while he braces for what's to come. My heart's, heart's broken. I'm scared for everyone that's over there. The wildfire less than two kilometers away from Lytton. The town burned to the ground last year. People here just trying to catch their breath and rebuild. But now... It's, uh, it's happened again. Lytton First Nation says about 10 structures on their reserves have been lost. It's now issued an evacuation order displacing nearly 100 people. Some people stayed back and aggressively fought the fire and they saved their home and... To them, they would have done the right thing, but it is extremely dangerous. Meanwhile, the Thompson-Nicola Regional District has also issued an evacuation order for at least two dozen homes. But the strong winds spreading the flames further. Uh, as well, the terrain is really steep and poses a dangerous uh, activity to firefighters. Losing the battle on this day, but a hope to regroup to win the final fight. Now, Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth said although the fire is growing, there is very little chance that this fire uh, is moving towards any major communities. In fact, he says the models show it is not moving towards any major communities. And Chris, with some rain expected in the forecast for Sunday, there's a glimmer of hope that the worst may be behind them. Back over to you. That would be a huge relief. All right, thanks very much, Kamal.
That's Como Kuramali reporting in Lytton. Now, many evacuees from the Nahoman Creek fire burning near Lytton are being sent to an emergency reception center in Lillooet. As Como mentioned, about 150 people from approximately two dozen families have been ordered from their homes on the Lytton First Nation Reserve. Some, though, decided to stay behind. And 31 other properties are on evacuation alert. Many of those heading to out-of-town evacuation centers have seen all of this before. I've been evacuated out of my house for second year in a row. I was in last year's fire down Lytton and I lost everything down there last year. So I went to the fire line. I thought everything was going to be done, but apparently not. Now it jumped through, it's on this side of the river and I'm losing my second place. We've been through this last year and it's bringing up lots of anxiety and I'm pretty sure a lot of people are pretty scared. Several area residents have been delivering food and water to firefighters who've been working long hours under incredibly difficult conditions to bring those flames under control. Vancouver firefighters are still slowly and methodically sifting through the debris of a collapsed building on the Vancouver Burnaby border looking for a person who's still unaccounted for after a rooftop parking deck failed and fell into businesses below. Amaragahi has more. The machinery you're hearing behind us is actually vacuuming up dirt and debris. Now, eight people have been rescued, two taken to hospital, but the remaining focus of all those crews and the equipment you see behind us is on finding the one person still missing from underneath that collapsed debris. Dozens of specialized and highly trained personnel with both the Vancouver Fire Rescue Service and the Heavy Urban Search and Rescue Task Force have been working nonstop throughout the night and are now into a second day of a delicate rescue operation. Thursday afternoon, during some type of construction activity, the concrete of this rooftop parking lot along Lougheed Highway in East Vancouver collapsed, sending work crews, a front-end loader, and mounds of sand down onto what appears to be an office building below with people inside. The operator of that front-end loader was one of the people taken to hospital. Now, eyewitness reports in the location of a cell phone underneath the rubble leads rescuers to believe there is still one person unaccounted for, but finding them won't be easy. It's a very unstable, dangerous situation, uh, painstaking uh, work, very physical, very tiring. Search dogs on scene that uh, identified an area where we could focus our search. And that's currently what the teams are doing now. Uh, this is still very much being treated as a rescue mission and not a recovery. Information on who was conducting the work and for what reason has been hard to come by. WorkSafe BC confirms it has launched an investigation. And meanwhile, the adjacent property, which is also designed as a rooftop parking lot, also collapsed in the mid-90s when a cement truck caused it to give way. Now, one last note, and reports from the people that were working in that office Thursday afternoon is that some trickling debris from the roof gave some people a bit of a warning sign and some precious time to escape before that eventual collapse. Emadegahi, Global News, here in East Vancouver. Some new details are emerging about the brazen morning shooting of a Raputaman Singh Malik in Surrey on Thursday. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team is releasing video of a suspect vehicle. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, the families of Air India victims worry justice has further slipped away.
The police investigation has now focused on the people inside this white Honda SUV. CCTV capturing the vehicle leaving the office park shortly after Raputaman Singh Malik was gunned down Thursday morning. A review of CCTV determined that the CRV arrived at 8236 128th Street a short time before the shooting and waited for Mr. Malik. While police have said this is a targeted shooting, there are questions swirling about what led to Malik's death. His potential involvement in the 1985 Air India bombing is a possibility. But after he was acquitted in 2005, Malik remained an active and polarizing figure within the Sikh community. We need to look into all possibilities. Investigators need to keep their mind open. We cannot 100% say that he has been killed by a certain group of people. 331 people were killed in the terror attacks. Their families are still searching for justice more than three decades later. Some are worried it may never come and believe Malik took vital information with him to the grave. The things were mishandled before the tragedy, after the tragedy, during the prosecution and dealing with the families by the government at that time. So I don't think those things can be corrected by any form of justice. The biggest thing I think it did is it just triggers a whole bunch of memories from the last 37 years and all the pain that the families have gone through. And in my particular case, it was my two older sisters that were on the flight. And so it just brings back the memories of the lost potential of them. This police investigation still in its infancy. The suspects torched the getaway car a short distance away from the murder scene trying to dispose of any evidence. The integrated homicide team is asking the public for any information or surveillance video to help identify the shooters. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A woman has now died after a double shooting in Maple Ridge. RCMP say they were alerted to the shooting around 845 this morning at a home in the 22600 block of 119th Avenue, a short distance from the RCMP office there. A man and a woman were rushed to hospital. The woman has since died. The man is expected to recover. Police do not believe the shooting is random. The integrated homicide investigation team, of course, is now involved. The family of a missing man on Vancouver Island is again pleading for the public's help. 41-year-old Nathaniel Waters was last seen last Friday at his parents' home in central Saanich. His last known location was north of Ferry Lake on a Forest Service road in Port Renfrew. His family has raised thousands of dollars through a GoFundMe for helicopter searches, but so far have had no luck. They are urging people to keep an eye out for their son this weekend, specifically for his pickup truck. We want as many people as possible, especially going into the weekend, to be on the lookout for his pickup truck. Uh, ourselves and the police are convinced that's the key to finding him and we're trying to get as much awareness as possible of people looking for it wherever they go throughout Vancouver Island. The truck is a dark gray 2010 Ford F-150 license plate PJ7371. Anyone with information is asked to call Central Saanich Police at 250-652-4441. Vancouver Police are releasing a photo of a suspect in a series of despicable crimes targeting seniors. The man in this photo is accused of posing as a police officer, convincing an elderly woman to hand over $10,000 cash to bail her son out of jail. Police say six seniors have fallen victim to similar scams in recent days. 
Investigators believe the suspect is part of a network of people working together to target vulnerable seniors. If you think you recognize this person, you're urged to contact Vancouver Police. Health Minister Adrian Dix calls it a great victory for public health care. The Court of Appeal denying an appeal by Dr. Brian Day to an earlier court ruling that private clinics cannot charge patients for services covered by the government. Kylie Stanton shows us what that means for patients. Check it manually. For years, opponents of Dr. Brian Day's legal challenge have been trying to keep Canada's health care system from flatlining. Okay, let's bend. And today, they're finally breathing easy. We are all extremely thrilled that the appeal was dismissed. Um, I think this is a real win for public health care. On Friday, the British Columbia Court of Appeal unanimously upheld a lower court's dismissal of Day's challenge of the Medicare Protection Act, saying bans on extra billings and private insurance do not violate the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. We're obviously very disappointed, but the bottom line is patients are suffering and dying in this health system. This was acknowledged throughout the 142-page decision. The panel of three justices did find a breach of Section 7 rights under the Charter, stating the risk of death has increased for an unknown number of individuals suffering from life-threatening conditions who wait beyond the benchmark for certain procedures and who, but for the impugned provisions, would otherwise have been able to access private care and mitigate the wait. However, this was considered justified in order to protect those who can't afford private care. I don't think a patient should be forced to suffer and wait and even die on a wait list without a safety valve. The judgment establishes thousands of patients are waiting too long for care, but it's difficult to say how many of those people would be able to access private care if given the opportunity. It's a good day. And while the ruling has been called a victory for the Medicare Protection Act, it puts the pressure on federal and provincial governments to commit to fixing the system. Of course there are challenges being faced, but I think the work is exceptional. Opponents claim is severely strained as things are right now, adding another tier would only make matters worse. You graft on the system, and even if the stated goal is to lower the wait times in the public system, it does not achieve that goal. It always ends up harming the public system. It remains intact, at least for now. But Day is not ruling out taking the matter to the Supreme Court of Canada. Kylie Stanton, Global News. An enthusiastic bid for B.C. to host the 2030 Winter Olympics hits a bit of a snag. Why the Indigenous-led effort to bring the Games back doesn't have the backing of the province yet. That's next on the News Hour. Guitar hero, how he finally tracked down his precious instrument 15 years after it was stolen. Plus... Body cam video captures a dramatic rescue in Lafayette, Indiana. That's coming up later. Right now, though, local Indigenous leaders are continuing to test the feasibility of Vancouver hosting the 2030 Olympic Games again. Vancouver, Whistler and some other municipalities are supporting it. But the provincial and federal governments have not yet said whether they're on board with a bid. And as Richard Zussman reports... Premier John Horgan still has some questions about the financial commitment. Go, Canada, go! Go, Canada, go! Back in 2010, go. Premier Gordon Campbell showed his support for the Vancouver Winter Games by waving those red middens. Fast forward to a bid for the 2030 Olympics, 
and it will take some work to get full support of the current Premier. I'm a sports guy. Uh, I would be predisposed to say yes immediately, but I'm also uh, five years into the job of managing a whole bunch of different interests, and, and it's, it would be inappropriate for us to make a significant multi-billion dollar commitment without seeing what the final consequences would be. Those consequences include a nearly $4 billion bill, and who may pay for it? The local organizing committee, led by four local First Nations, plan to cover between $4.4 to $4.8 billion. The money largely coming through ticket sales, broadcast revenues and merchandise. Governments will be asked to cover $1 billion to $1.2 billion. It's Indigenous-led and it's the first of its kind. And we, like I always say, we're ready, but we're actually doing it now. So far, the federal government has been quiet on how much it will commit. The taxpayer money will include venues of between $299 million to $375 million, around $165 to $267 million for First Nations housing, and the big bill, $560 to $583 million for security. The question is, who covers the overruns and whether it can all be sorted before the Canadian Olympic Committee decides to move the bid to the international stage in December. If the Canadian Olympic Committee says we're going too slowly, then maybe they should pass and let someone else do it. We want to make sure we get it right. Uh, we're not prepared to sign a blank check. Salt Lake City and Sapporo, Japan are now being considered as well. The International Olympic Committee is set to make the final decision in May 2023 on who will host the Games. Any chance BC has will count on the Premier raising their hand to say the province is on board, red glove or not. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Coming up, adjusting to a new reality in BC. I'm so thankful for Canada people that I so welcome in. A Ukrainian family thankful for their safety, but still struggling to settle in. And the friendly gesture that sidetracked U.S. President Joe Biden's trip to Saudi Arabia. Good news over at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Just cleared a crash southbound at the south end in the right lane. The damage is done, though. Traffic is backed up solid from Cliveden on the approach. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Join Global News July 21st to 24th for daily coverage of the 2022 BC Summer Games from Prince George. Spirit lives here. Global BC is proud to partner with the BC Summer Games. Incredible body camera footage shows the moment a bystander rescued a six-year-old girl from a burning home. The 25-year-old was driving by and noticed the flames. He ended up helping four children out before learning one was still trapped. That's when he went back in for the six-year-old and had to jump through a second-story window to get out safely. The man has several injuries, including burns, and had to be flown to a hospital for treatment, although he is at home now. The children were not hurt. Well, firefighters and rescue teams are searching the wreckage of a number of buildings in the Ukrainian city of Mykolaiv after another round of Russian missile strikes. Ukrainian defense officials say 10 buildings were hit. At least four people were hurt in the early morning attacks. Firefighters even managed to rescue a puppy from the badly damaged building. Homes, hospitals and schools in the strategically important Black Sea city 
have been the target of frequent Russian attacks. And a Ukrainian family living in Abbotsford is adjusting to their new lives here in Canada. They have to restart from a restart basically from scratch, coming over with little more than the clothes on their backs. But as Jasmine Bala reports, they found support from others who experienced a similar journey. It's these images that haunt Olga Mirinchuk every day. Her destroyed house and the ongoing war back home. Bad news. The Russian soldier uh, rocket in Ukrainian city. Every morning she wakes up and checks her phone, fearful for those left behind. We, every day we are here by body, but every day we think it about Ukraine. Olga and her family were forced to flee Irpin during the early stages of the war. We come only with one suitcase because we have no time to plan our uh, journey, our trip to Canada. We, when the war starts, we, we only take some, some things and that's all. They arrived in Canada on May 7th with the help of a friend and made Abbotsford their home. I wanted to help Ukrainians because I'm Ukrainian and it wasn't difficult because there were so many people that pitched in to help um, to bring them. They're now living in a townhouse complex full of other Ukrainian families just like them. Congratulations. <laughs> but the transition hasn't been easy. We need to start our life from start, from first step, because we lose, we have no anything. And the hardest adjustment has been finding jobs like the ones they had in Ukraine. For example, we have three teachers here, including Olga. Mm -hmm. They can't get education, they have to redo their certification. Or Olga's son, who is a physiotherapist in Ukraine, has to redo his certification and, like, in order for him to get any kind of job. It's been one obstacle after another for this Ukrainian family. But through it all, they've built a community. And I'm so thankful for Canada people that I so welcoming. Now two places they call home. Jasmine Global News. U.S. President Joe Biden is in the Middle East to reset ties with Saudi Arabia, but his friendly gesture with the crown prince might have sidetracked his agenda. Biden bumped fists with Prince Mohammed bin Salman, the leader he once pledged to shun for human rights violations. But the president insists he did not shy away from pressing the crown prince on the kingdom's abuses, including the 2018 murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Prince Mohammed told Biden he was not responsible, not personally responsible anyway, despite U.S. intelligence saying otherwise. Other topics on the agenda include security in the Middle East and increasing the global flow of oil. Just ahead, decriminalizing hard drugs, considered by experts to be a necessary step to stop the deadly opioid crisis. A new poll shows how Canadians feel about it. And what a new UBC study says about your exposure to even low levels of air pollution. 
still a little busy over at the Arthur Lang Bridge, especially for southbound traffic out of Vancouver. Crews recently cleared an accident southbound on Granville near 54th Avenue in the right lane. When renewing your ICBC Auto Plan insurance online, select your nearest Sussex insurance when prompted. For all online broker benefits, peace of mind, and best rates, select Sussex Insurance today. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. A new survey suggests British Columbians are divided over the decriminalization of hard drugs, even though nearly 200 people died in May alone during the ongoing opioid crisis. And the temporary exemption of the personal possession of some illicit drugs goes into effect next year. Paul Johnson reports. With B.C.'s overdose crisis raging unchecked, the province is now poised to decriminalize small amounts of hard drugs to reduce the stigma of criminalization they believe prevents users from getting help. But not everyone agrees this is going to work. Do you buy that? No. A study by psychologist Julian Summers found that British Columbians suffering from opioid use disorder did have a lot of problems with the law, but it mostly wasn't for drug possession. But the crime of possession accounts for 3.8% of their sentences. The majority are associated with forms of theft, and more than 10% are associated with crimes of violence. There's quite a, quite a bit of opposition to decriminalization and legalization of hard drugs here in our province. Steve Mossop's latest poll on the topic found that while general support has ticked up a bit to 49%, that means many are still solidly opposed, particularly to the province's stated goal of exploring the idea of expanding decrim of crack, crystal meth and heroin for teenagers. We found that the support levels dropped dramatically from that 50% down to 25. So there is a lack of support in BC, especially as it relates to youth. The Ministry of Mental Health and Addictions told Global News Friday their plan will reduce the stigma of criminalization and that people will feel safer reaching out for help. Though Summers is skeptical that tinkering with a law that he believes is not affecting most people struggling with addiction will amount to much. There's no discussion, no serious discussion of decriminalizing theft or decriminalizing violence, but those are exactly the things that we would need to do if we're going to free people from involvement with the criminal justice sector by intervening in the law. Paul Johnson, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, more monkeypox patients are popping up across Canada, mirroring the rise in cases seen globally. And as Jamie Maraca reports, experts say it's time for all Canadians to know the signs and be vigilant. The National Microbiology Lab is busy, not just with COVID, but also having to test more samples of suspected monkeypox. Part of the increase has to do with increased surveillance or case detection. The other increase has to do with the fact that naturally there are an increased number of cases. Canada has confirmed nearly 500 cases since the virus emerged as part of an unusual outbreak beginning in May, with a large chunk confirmed between July 4th and 13th, when 177 cases were confirmed. That's a 59% increase in a week. The jump comes as vaccination campaigns rolled out in certain provinces targeting high-risk groups. But offering the shot to the general public, experts say, isn't needed yet. 
is not the vaccines alone that's going to, uh, you know, uh, manage and deal with monkeypox. It's also making sure people understand there might be a behavioral changes or, or certain activities that people should be aware of that would put them at greater risk. This includes prolonged personal contact with an infected person. Symptoms of monkeypox are fever, muscle pain, swollen lymph nodes, and most notably, skin lesions. Quebec continues to have the largest share of viral disease. Saskatchewan recorded its first case, and both B.C. and Ontario saw increases. That province also confirmed its first female patient. Globally, up until now, the illness has mostly affected men. Even though right now the current context is within the men who have sexual relations with men uh, community, that doesn't actually mean that that's who it's restricted to. As transmission continues here, the World Health Organization is meeting again next week to discuss whether it's time to declare a health emergency of international concern. For now, Canadian experts say it's up to the public to learn the signs and steer clear of situations where monkeypox could spread. Jamie Marocker, Global News, Toronto. Coming up, he waited 15 years to hear this sound. A local musician and how he finally tracked down his stolen guitar. And coming up in sports, Zergut, the playmaker the Whitecaps have been waiting for. A new study shows air pollution is dangerous even at levels well below international air quality guidelines. A recent UBC study shows long-term exposure to low amounts of pollution like wildfire particles or fossil fuel emissions can pose significant health risks. One researcher says Canada has overall good air quality, but the study shows that even low-level pollutants can have serious impacts on someone's health. The study's lead author says there's been a steady decline in air pollution, but events like the wildfires show that it can still threaten the progress. All right, lots of uh, rain out there today. We haven't seen that in a little while. We'll check in with Christy, who is, are you inside? How long has it been since you did one inside? Yeah, we had a little bit of an issue. Or maybe it's just because I didn't like the rain, Chris. Yeah, so I'm inside. <laughs> <Could be>. But <laughs> bit of a change. You know, we had uh, several days of sunshine, which was really nice. And now we're in for this pattern that's going to be unsettled, not only today, but over the next couple of days. But it's certainly not a washout. So we'll point out the sunshine first. I wanted to explain that as of today, there's now a Category 2 fire ban in place for the Caribou, the Kamloops, and the southeastern portion of the province. So a Category 2 fire ban means that you can have a campfire you cannot have anything larger than that now category three for coastal regions means that you can't have a fire that's larger two meters wide pardon me two meters high or three meters wide smoky skies bulletin in place and that's because of the fire that's near Lytton. it's just across the river from there and that's where we're seeing significant snow smoke right up and down the uh, uh, fraser canyon area and over towards clinton sort of the 100 mile house region as well and we're expecting that to continue tomorrow so we will see showers overnight. So definitely a day and night to maybe chill out a little bit inside, maybe watch a movie. Tomorrow afternoon, though, I am expecting breaks and drier conditions. So that's a little bright spot is most of the showers will be in the morning. But the bulk of the rainfall will impact the north and central coast, central interior regions as well tomorrow with the risk of thunderstorms also. But in through the southern interior, not bad conditions, mostly sunny. It's mainly across the south coast, particularly northern sections that will see the rainfall for our region showers in the morning breaks in the afternoon Sunday similar conditions showers in
in the morning, but more of a clearing expected in the afternoon. And that transitions us to a, a really nice upper level ridge. It looks like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday will also be sunny. Tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from the Vancouver English Bay area and capturing this. And of course, we've had this super full moon. It's called the super moon, the peregrine moon, Chris. It's the largest uh, full moon of 2022. And it occurred just two nights ago. And of course, the tides have been really, really low and really, really high because of that. Back to you. Amazing shot of Spanish banks there. You can walk out for what seems like miles. Thanks very much, Christy. Well, Surrey RCMP say they've recovered a stolen guitar 15 years after it disappeared. There are still several guitars not accounted for, including this green Albert Lee Dargle that's out there somewhere. In all, 14 guitars were stolen from the garage of musician and promoter Mitch Merritt back in 2007. Now, he spent 15 years searching online and in pawn shops, and last week that searching paid off. He found one for sale at a Vancouver pawn shop, and he says recovering the guitar is like getting back a piece of his soul. Kind of like tools, you know, you kind of need different tools for different, different jobs that you do, and this one's just got a nice spanky twangy kind of sound to it, so it's, it's great for country, it's great for blues, and it's great for rock too. You know, um, obviously Keith Richards made these very famous himself, and uh, guys like Buck Owens and you know, on the countryside of things. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great tool. It's a great instrument. Very cool. Merritt says none of the guitars he's recovered so far are in as good a shape as this one. He says it even had the same piece of tape he put on it 15 years ago. Glad he got it back. And glad Whitecaps get some firepower. Here's Squire now with a look ahead to sports. I know the Whitecaps did make a trade today to get one of the best passers in MLS, Julian Gressel, which will make someone like Brian White very happy. It's really exciting to have a guy with that uh, resume to come into the team and help elevate the level. Since Gressel started in MLS in 2017, he has the second most assists of any player in the league. And as you can see here, he can score as well. Can't wait to watch him play. Also coming up, satellite debris. All right, Squire is here with sports, and um, I think you'd agree you can never have enough playmakers. <laughs> that is true. Mm -hmm. uh, no matter what sport you're talking about, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, everyone is waiting for the Vancouver Canucks to make a big trade. The Vancouver Whitecaps stepped in and made a big deal instead. Uh, one that should really help them going forward by adding veteran wingback Julian Gressel from D.C. United for allocation money. Now, Gressel has been one of the best players in Major League Soccer at setting up goals. Now, he can score himself, but his real skill is getting the ball to the guys who are paid to score. So people like Lucas Cavallini and Brian White should be a lot happier with this teammate. He won't play this Sunday against Portland, but he will join the Whitecaps next week. Corner magic here for the Whitecaps. Floating up for Cavallini. It's in his chest. The Whitecaps are still within striking distance of the MLS playoffs, but to get there, they need to fill the net a lot more. They are second last in goals for in the Western Conference. But Julian Gressel should give their offense a much-needed boost. He's the playmaker they've been waiting for. He's got 58 assists the past five years, playing for Atlanta and D.C. United, second most in MLS in that span. He's proven that he can get assists in this league. He's 
proving he's a really good player in this league, and it's really exciting to have a guy with that uh, resume to come into the team and help elevate the level. He knows the league. He is domestic. He has played in the league. He he is uh, very no, uh, very familiar with the systems we play. So all came together and he's German though so that was the last missing piece okay that last part debatable according to the white caps other German Florian Youngbert he's not German he applied for the US citizenship you cannot do that when you're real German you stick to your country you know now he's because he's married to an American now he's like oh the tax you know this that nah come on now I'm, I'm happy I'm happy that Julian is coming and uh, yeah be looking forward to talking German to him. All kidding aside, the Caps are confident Gressel will fit right in with this group. They're counting on it. We have heard nothing other than good about him. It's about his work ethic, about his, his also his uh, workload that he puts into training and into the games. We felt very, very good about that. And since I have spoken with him now twice, I really have to say, I told him, you are exactly what we are looking for and you just prove it again with what you say to me. And one of the best strikers in the world is going to join Barcelona. Robert Lewandowski is being transferred from Bayern Munich to Barca after saying he wanted a new challenge. He spent eight years with Bayern Munich, and as I said, he's one of the best guys at putting the ball in the net. Tiger Woods uh, may have said goodbye to St. Andrews today, giving that it'll take time for the British Open to get back to the old course, and by then Tiger might not feel as competitive to enter the event. When he started yesterday with a double bogey on the first hole, you kind of got the sense he wouldn't make the cut and play this weekend. But that didn't matter to the fans who gave him a long ovation as he finished the 18th hole today at nine over par for 36 holes. Going over the Swilkin Bridge, but people will note that he didn't stop for photos. So that means he wants to come back. He, of course, won the British Open at St. Andrews in both 2000 and 2005. Dustin Johnson, one of 24 live golf players in this event. This is a nice shot in the 10th. He's 9-under after 36, so he's close. So is Rory McIlroy on the 7th. Trying to hold it against that right-to-left wind. Use that bank to the left of the hole. McIlroy is 10-under after 36 holes. Now, no man named Cameron has ever won a major in golf history. But we have two Camerons at the top of the leaderboard. Cameron Young, who birdied 18 to finish 11 under par. And the guy he's chasing, Cameron Smith. Mullet and mustache man. And he can putt. This is an eagle on 14. 13 under after 36. Shot of the day, Victor Hovland, who's at 10 under. Tied with Rory. This is on the 15th. Just around, oh, almost 140 yards away. And this, folks, is an eagle. Yep, it's in. Nice sweater, too. Uh, okay, Blue Jays tonight taking on the Kansas City Royals. Teoscar Hernandez, bottom of the second. That's a three-run home run. 4 nothing for the Jays. One three-run homer deserves another. Matt Chapman, 15th of the year. And the Jays are in command right now against Kansas City. It's 8-1 in the ninth. CFL tonight, a couple of unbeaten teams, Bombers and Stampeders. First quarter, Bo Levi Mitchell. 
Bagleton. Reggie Bagleton gets in for the touchdown. And at last check, oh, Stampeders have lost their lead. Now Winnipeg is up 13-10 in the second. Lions play Thursday night against Hamilton. They have another bye week this mm -hmm. week. There you go. Things happen fast in the CFL, don't they? Yes, they do. Uh, they happen fast around here, too. We're going to wrap things up with satellite debris next. Stick around. Few stories developing through the evening, and Jordan Armstrong is standing by with a preview of Global News at 11. Jordan? Chris, an urgent search is underway on the North Shore tonight. RCMP say Ali Reza Semeni has vision loss due to medical conditions, and he may appear confused. He also has difficulty speaking. The 50-year-old was last seen around 10 this morning on Canyon Boulevard. That's not far from Cleveland Park in Grouse Mountain. If you see him, do call police. And, of course, we're keeping a close watch on the fire near Lytton, now estimated at 1,500 hectares, Chris. All right, we're thinking of all the fire crews yeah. working hard on that tonight. Thanks very much, Jordan. Okay, we'll bring Squire back in and a look at satellite debris now. Yes, and we're going to start out with, um, actually, it's a lot of Geico tonight. Oh, yeah. So the it's first two, yeah, I, listen, I have no issues. The first two are both Geico. We love our house. Been here for years. Yeah, but there's an animal in the attic. At least Geico makes bundling our home and car insurance easy. We save a lot. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com. We love our new home. Lots of windows, great light. But the birds... They're back. Yes, I hear them. Uh-oh. Why are these birds so angry? At least Geico makes bundling our home and car insurance easy. We save a lot. I'm going. I'm going. Hurry, hurry. I know, I know. For I know. bundling made easy, go to geico.com. Angry birds. Never disappoints. All right. So uh, this one is um, a giant game of tag from Easy Jet Holidays. One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, uh, 99, 100. Coming! Ready or not? Zucchero e pepe, ecco perché più monella non c'è. Tutta delizia, tutto candore, croce delizia, d'ogni cuore sempre sarà per chi un di lamerà. Croce delizia, d'ogni cuore sempre sarà per chi un di lamerà. Zucchero e pepe, zucchero e pepe. Sono tutto zucchero i tuoi baci quando vuoi. Zucchero e pepe, zucchero e pepe, ma tutto pepe sono i miei capricci tuoi. Come per gioco col tuo fare indifferente, scherzi col fuoco e non ti importa mai di niente. Zucchero e pepe. The search for your perfect holiday is over. Introducing EasyJet Holidays. At all protected. Okay, so I said tag, but what I meant to say was hide and seek. That's right. Sometimes, Nailed it. Sometimes I get confused. It's been a long week. Okay, so the last two, there's another Geico one coming up, but first we need a little uh, Sasquatch to uh, end the week with. <laughs> 
Was that a Sasquatch? Holy crap, was that a Hyundai? You won't believe it's a Hyundai. Huh, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Everybody knows that. Well, did you know that when a tree falls in the forest and no one's around, it does make a sound? Oh. Oh, oh boy. I'm falling. Everybody look out. Oh! <clears throat> Little help here? Geico. 15 minutes could save you. Well, you know. I think life would be so much better if trees could talk just Agreed. like that. Agreed. Somebody better check on that one. <laughs> that reminds me of, was it H.R. Puffin stuff? Was that the old kids oh, show? Oh, that's, you're going way back now. People, I thought that maybe, I may be wrong. Yeah, we'll have to look that one up. You don't have to look up the forecast, because Christy has it right now, and uh, yeah. yeah, waiting for a return to sunshine. That's right. You know, it's not going to be a soaker this weekend, but we certainly are going to see a few showers through the morning hours on Saturday. Some breaks later on Sunday, still a chance of showers, but we should see some sunshine later in the day also. So it's a little unsettled, uh, but look forward to next week. Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday look terrific. Mm, little, little sunshine, little rain. Uh, not only does that sound like an 80s tune and I bet Squire knows which one. That's a recipe for rainbows. There might be some rainbows maybe this weekend. Oh. What was that? What was that when you? What do you yeah, think? Possibly. Were, were, yeah. you, were you doing some Milli Vanilli there or something? I don't think it was Milli Vanilli. That's blame it up. on the rain, right? Was that that? Is that what it was? No. <laughs> I don't know. Sunshine. That and one. rain. You know the one? Oh yeah, yeah. That one. Can you sing the rest oh, of it before yeah. the show? I am, no, I am not singing. Come on, the rest let's go to karaoke tonight. Let's get that one on. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great weekend. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.